Hey, this is Bill Streeter. I just wanted to uh, jump in here and give a little context for what you're about to hear. The following was recorded on January 16th at the Pat Connolly Tavern in Dogtown uh, following the 24th Ward Aldermanic debate, which was hosted by the 24th Ward Progressive Democrats. If you want to see a live stream or the live stream recording of that debate, we'll put a link to that in the show notes of this podcast at Next STL. Just look for the podcast uh, tab on nextstl.com and check out the most recent podcast of the podcast from this date. January 23rd is the day we're posting it. Yeah, it was a good time. It was had by all. It's always interesting to see uh, the uh, inner workings of city politics up close and personal. Get to meet some of the candidates and uh, Pat Connolly Tavern was great. It was a good time to a uh, good place to host this debate. It's a neighborhood tavern, not unlike the Royale. And uh, uh, Joe Jovanovich, the owner, was a great host. Um, you should go check them out. They have a newly remodeled event space upstairs where we hosted this round table. They have great fried chicken and drinks. It's a nice neighborhood place, joint tavern, whatever you want to call it, um, right across the street from Forest Park and Turtle Park, um, right there in Dogtown. And uh, so, without further ado, uh, here is the roundtable recorded on January 16th. We're back uh, after the debate here. The 24th Ward Progressive Democrats hosted. I'm Michael Allen with the Royale Political Wire. Joined by tavern keeper Joe Jovanovich, Stephen Fitzpatrick Smith of the Royale. Um, this is the closest I've come to the bare knuckled world of the 24th War. The closest I had come before was knocking doors for Green Party nominee Bud DeRapps oh, in man. 2003. Um, beyond that, I have never dealt my toe into the partisan world. I will say, I just pulled up a quote here from George Orwell that is interesting. Oh he says, Serious oh sport has nothing to do with fair play. It is bound up with hatred, jealousy, boastfulness, disregard of all rules, and sadistic pleasure in witnessing violence. In other words, it is war minus the shooting. And we have certainly seen that so far in what some people are calling Aldergeddon 2019. But we saw none of this serious Orwellian sport tonight in the 24th Ward, a race that seemed to portend fisticuffs, none of that on display, an air of civility, (laughs) candor, and general acceptance among the candidates of each other. No cat calls from supporters that I could hear up here on the second floor. So what do you make of that, Joe? Well, you know, I could attribute it to the... uh, the general civility of this uh, fine establishment and the uh, the culture of respect that we've uh, s- sought to cultivate, but that would be a, a fool's a fool's way of responding. I think that no cheap shots at a bar that doesn't yeah, serve cheap shots. Exactly. No, we don't. No, well, we Not do. We do if you ask nicely. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't come in a paper cup. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you know. Uh, I don't live in the war, but obviously I'm, I'm here a lot. Um, and the bar, of course, is located in the ward, and uh, we were we were being prepared by those um, organizing the debate and other folks in the neighborhood. They were expecting the the climate you described just now, and uh, I think perhaps you know folks can wisely read between the lines and maybe know coming in that we're going to be on our best behavior. Um, and I think 
thankfully those cool heads prevailed. But uh, on, on the other hand, too, having talked to some folks, you know, from the neighborhood, it that also leaves some stones unturned, some questions that maybe should have been asked that uh, didn't get the chance to get asked. I have asked. a question ahead for you. Uh, what was oh, it Lord. asked that should have been you asked? You know, that's 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 a that's a tough uh, political landmine there. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of uh, questions that I've heard from folks in here about. It was alluded to the the legacy of the prior alderman Tom Bauer, and uh, of course, our current alderman has uh, commented on that online as well. Uh, having read all that, uh, obviously that legacy and the controversy on either side of that coin it was not really discussed <clears throat> much right. tonight. I'm going to throw it over to Steve Smith for a second and ask him. He's a veteran political observer. He's never been a 24th resident, 24th ward resident. But we'll is there him. something we'll you thought here. was missing tonight? Hmm. A question, an issue? Well, we I think didn't. it was a fairly thorough uh, vetting of certain issues. No, they seem to sync up with the Young Dems sort of questionnaire from that we read yesterday. Absolutely, yeah, but it definitely did. Follow anything out of, of that mix? We did that have, you of course, have we, well, we did have some people coming up here uh, asking, of course, the about uh, women's rights. Uh, yeah, uh, and then also abortion was a question. Public Somebody education as well. Said, where, where do they stand on abortion? Yes, and that's not. Uh, that was. Uh, Board of Alderman doesn't have a lot of power over that issue. The, in some ways. In some ways, for sure. But in others. <laughs> but the other thing, too, and they talked about it briefly, and obviously the details are not out yet, but I think the big bomb that's about to go off in our city, of course, is this uh, city-county merger that may get uh, passed regardless of what the city or county thinks. And that's going to be changing an awful lot of things, and it's an interesting thing to be talking about right now. When right. Uh, And it's, uh, in fairness to these candidates, it's very hard to have a concrete position on this mm -hmm. Better Together proposal, which has only been c coming out through gossip and hearsay right. in the press. Uh, there's no report to respond to. Yeah, or, they say this read. month, I believe. So it's a very interesting place to be to sort of be having a debate when there might not be aldermen right. in The same uh, with airport months. privatization. Yes. Is, there's no detail to say yes or no to. Right. So general principles, and some people tonight said absolutely no to airport no, privatization. Right, yeah. Um, and close to rejection of city-county merger, but mostly yeah, just kind of falling somewhere in the middle of, we'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Interesting timing on both those issues with this election. Nothing for the candidates to, to feed on, but lots of anxieties that voters are probably presenting to them. And it seems like a, a general, if not a begrudging acceptance, uh, or at least less than excited acceptance of the reduction of the Board of Aldermen as well. It wasn't, I wasn't hearing cheers for that, but more of like, well, it's going to happen, so we need to make sure we do the best we can with it. Right. Okay, well, we're going to get this discussion moving along with some of the other folks here. We've got uh, Chris and John. Chris is with the... Why don't you come over and take my microphone here, Chris? Uh, with the Clayton Tam Neighborhood Association, and then John Corbett, former committeeman, and the head of the uh, Dogtown Historical Society, which of course is always appreciated. Uh, I'll pass this along, I'll let the... All right, so, from the ground level, Anything missing off the bat for those of you who well, I, live I, and breathe in this ward every day? I thought the answers were good. Everybody, everybody was prepared. Uh, the, the rules they set down really took away any kind of contention that was mm -hmm. going to come up. So they were behaving themselves all the way. Um, one, one thing, 
um, and all the all the answers, like I say, were, were honest and good. Some knew more than others about the the, the uh, issues. But one thing was kind of surprised me when they one one question was, "What is the best thing you think could happen in St. Louis?" No one said we could bridge the racial divide. Ah. I was shocked. In fact, Bauer said just the opposite. It, he hopes it will look, look like this room here, which was not exactly no, what we were looking for. We were for. not bridging the racial divide surprised. in the room tonight. I was surprised. I, I, really, I have to say, it, I, you know, I think all the candidates get, did their best shot, but they all missed the ball on that one. Right. That's yeah. It. Generally, not a very optimistic answer in the bunch to that question. You know, not no far-reaching. No, nobody's looking, nobody's looking past today, it seems like, uh, instead of, hmm. you know, they're all so wrapped up in what's going on now, they forget about the future, and the future is what's important. Right, it's not yeah, it's so. not what Rex Sinkfield has up his sleeve with the airport or better together, it's what happens a generation from now, right? Because tomorrow, today is yesterday, so I, they should be going wow, about the yeah. future. So. I, I do think economically, Brett answer kind of made sense. You don't want St. Louis to become the, the hole in the donut, right? I, I think that was at least a little bit more forward thinking. I think he gave the, the best answers because he's very knowledgeable. And and I think uh, um, Lori was Lori was very uh, serious and very uh, Lori's always been that way, a helpful type person. And and uh, um, Bauer was doing his dog and pony show, a dog a dog and donkey show like he always does. <laughs> And, and I mean, he really does. He's covering up all he can cover up. He's hoping nobody brings up subjects about the recall and mm -hmm. things like that. So he was at a he disadvantage. Did, he, he, going was, he had a, like a Trumpian moment almost <laughs> where he said that he wasn't going to make the same mistakes. And then he said, and none of the people up here with me have made those mistakes. <laughs> right. So that was kind of a malapropism, but well, a reminder right. of mm -hmm. one I, of these real historic divides in this race. And, I mean, yeah. he sued two of the people up there, so I, I can't imagine they would make those mistakes because <laughs> they, they've lived it The path is well-trod, yes. Right. Uh, warning signs. And no other agree. candidate promising or denying they will sue or not sue constituents if elected. This is true. But something the 24th Ward remembers. It's well, the elephant in the room also was there's five candidates, and that's how Bauer wins. Yeah. He won, he won the Hill District sure. when he was three candidates. And so, and that was something that nobody right. talked about. He only won a majority in one race ever, right? Every, every other time he got a right. plurality in these highly contested mm. races, the one majority was uh, Democratic primary in 2011, right? And then uh, independent candidate Ogilvy took the prize in the general election. He, he, he beat him. So one question I had was, where are the independent or green or Republican candidates? This seems like a kind of election where that position you know, might gain some traction, depending on who wins this primary, and that position Absolutely. might actually gain some of the votes of these other candidates. Well, it'd be the same thing as it was 2011. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But nobody's waiting, in case it's Bauer, no. right? In case it's whoever you don't like. Uh, honestly, I, I expected Bauer would be the independent ah. candidate. I, I thought that that's how, how he would enter this race. So he's got wide always open. Had, Tom Bauer's always got about 25% of the vote. And, and um, he got 276 when mm -hmm. he ran against Ogilvy in the general election, or in the election last time. So I, I don't know if he could pull any more than that. He will pull a lot of people who voted for, uh, for Trump, I'll give you an example, the haters. I call mm -hmm. And so, because that, that's the type of person he is. So I think, given that, if somebody gets 250 votes in this, they may win it with five candidates. So it, it's possible he could win it. Then 
someone would have to file as an independent, get about 70 signatures, and go up, and, and they'd beat them. Yeah. So I don't think he can really win the thing as long as somebody's going to do that, whoever it may be. Right. Why do you think he's running? Well, he's running because he's got one more year. If he spends one more year in the legislature, he gets a pension. Ah, he needs to go. And, and, and ego. <laughs> I ego. almost wish you'd give him one year and then get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, depending on what's in the fine text of Better Together, that yeah. might be all the next alderman from the 24th Ward gets, right? No, I, I don't think it would be worth it. Historically, when we were with we other ward organizations, I was probably the last what you call ward boss because hmm. after I quit, everybody just it just kind of fell apart. But and I was kind of a controlling person. I still am, and, <laughs> and I've been a president about everything there is doing Dogtown. So, but we always made sure we didn't have that many candidates that we could win. Right? Has there ever been a race where both committee people ran against each other for the aldermanic seat? No, that seems I don't pretty think astounding so, no. to me. Generally, yeah. a committee person really just kind of helps out, you know. At one time, the committee historically was a very powerful position because mm. you got people patronage jobs. You get up to 30, 40 people a job a year. Right. So it was a very powerful position. Right. And you had all, you could all, they were also worked the polls and <laughs> whatever well, and it I, took to get that job. You know? I think this particular situation is interesting because our committee people, and I'm I'm not I don't think I'm saying anything that's unknown, do not get along with each other. And I would so, assume so if they run against each other for the same it, office. It's, it's yeah. very interesting the egos at play and the fact that they don't necessarily get along. And if, along those lines, and I'll admit my own ignorance, uh, relative ignorance at least, could we discuss a little bit about the sort of schism or implosion that's occurred with the ward organizations in this neighborhood? Yeah. Because I think that's important context for how what we're describing now with the different committee people and just the kind of overall confusion as to who is the ward organization? There, there's more than one, or is there? Well, you, you would have to call a progressive, what they call a rump organization. It's, uh, it's a, a rebel organization. We were, when I ran the organization, the 24th regular Democrats, we were a rump organization. Bauer had the organization. And because they were going to recall them, they brought in, I started a whole new, I told them, the only way you can do this is if you start a whole new organization. So we did. We brought Bauer to a meeting, and we asked Tom Bauer, if anybody here asks you a question, will you promise not to sue them? And he couldn't get, he wouldn't give the promise. So oh, I instructed wow. everybody wow. to not ask a question. Because I didn't want, because he would have sued them. So, so that's how bad it was. Mm. So we had to actually go through that. Wow. But it seems like the progressive Dems are pretty strong in this ward with the drumming up a but huge a turnout. But relatively, very, yes. Uh, but, Filling but, both but, floors but, of the but, bar. Well, yeah, and, and, and we're all very thankful for that. Uh, but I think uh, a very relatively new organization, too. I mean, uh, it wasn't around even six, not even a year ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, that's So not even new. a year. And so, and, and past the context of Bauer, I mean, a more recent chapter of the story is what led to the formation of this new ward organization, too, which goes back to the fact that we have two committee people running against each other, and those two committee people not participating in the context of the same ward organization, or if there even there was kind of not one for a while, right? I mean, I'm looking over here to our local experts, but I, and again, I'm here all the time, but I still am confused. Like, what the hell is going on? in the 24th Ward as it relates to our ward organizations. And uh, I don't think a lot of people who live in the community really have that context. If you're not paying closely to those micro ward politics issues, if you don't know any of that, you're not really able to make an apples to apples comparison of all these candidates. Right. Um, 
Right. So someone should talk about it because I don't know. Well, I, I can say on? just from personal experience, having lived in the ward for a little over four years now, um, I got involved mostly because of the President Clayton Tam Community Association, so I learned some people that way. But also, I didn't, I'm, I, I will claim ignorance, I didn't even know that we had committee people. I did not know this. Ah. Um, I was a renter in multiple other neighborhoods throughout the city before I, I moved here and bought a house. And so I first, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time down here at Pat's, and I met some of the young Dems, and, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't quite as progressive as I had hoped, and, and there just seemed to be a lot of confusion amongst it. And, and I will admit, when the progressive Dems came out, I was on board immediately. They, they were organized, they had clear goals and objectives, and it just seemed the most obvious thing to do. And so I think just generally, especially for a lot of younger people moving into the ward, you don't even, they don't even know. Especially, and, and I meet with a lot of them because they come to the neighborhood meetings, they're not even from the city. They don't even understand how wards work, and you know, they're from places where aldermen don't exist. And, and so it was, you know, there, there's just a, this sort of, there was this chasm missing of little information and not really knowing who to turn to and, and who you could ask these questions to. And so I definitely think that's starting to firm up a little bit now, but obviously we've, right. you know. There still seems to be a schism at your committee level. There definitely is. There, there's a difference between the people that are active, progressive Democrats and the people, in my opinion, that are holding on to their elected positions purely to hold on to them. Wow. Well, speaking of elected positions, I didn't ask the obvious question that I could ask after this debate, but I'm going to ask it now. So who is coming out of this debate, do you think, with the stronger, uh, stronger forces at their back? And who might have not done so well tonight? Oh, you're asking and me? Uh, no, we have now Alderman Ogilvy here. Good evening. Who has been a Democrat for a while, wasn't always. I've always been a Democrat. Oh, he's always been a Democrat. Just not officially. Just, yes. But you can jump in here, too. Um, we had a big crowd, packed house on the Still second time. floor. I would say there's not a, there wasn't a lot of sort of noises from the crowd or murmuring to kind of know who's stepping in it and who's ri rising uh, up on the tide. But... I hear downstairs there might have been a little more ample feedback. So, so you're asking who came out of the debate the best? Yeah. Oh. I think they all did okay, is what I would say. I, I don't think okay. there was actually somebody who was head and shoulders above mm -hmm. the other candidates. And I think your opinion of that debate would probably be highly informed by how you felt about some of those people um, ahead of time. Um, I also I, I didn't get the sense that any of them... Uh, knocked it out of the park, so to speak. But but I also think the reality is when you have when you have there four was no wild applause on the second floor at least tonight. Like <laughs> no one candidate at the end with their final yeah. remark got a standing ovation, which did happen last night at Young Dems. So it's like you know there wasn't that obvious like okay everyone in this room really likes this one person or most people like this one person. I, I it was also more think, sort of yeah. like polite taking it all in. There's the sense though that when you have four candidates who are new, there's no incumbent. They haven't been on the board of Alderman before, and you have one candidate who was, but he left under um, a cloud of uh, frustration by residents, that you're not necessarily going to have somebody who has, um, who knows all the stuff, you know, right. and who, who is uh, used to 
talking about those issues in front of an audience. So I... Um, you were once that person. I was. I was, I was thinking about that today. And you, know, and you haven't made an endorsement. I haven't, no. no. And I, I think... And you won't. I might. Yeah, okay. I, haven't, oh. I haven't ruled it all out right. at all. Well, but stay tuned. Um, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I, I think I came in with a reasonable knowledge base, but there's still things I recognize now that I might have said or done, and I, I didn't know what I didn't know um, uh, during that camp, that first campaign. So, um, I don't uh, fault any of them for not uh, hitting the grand slam. Other, other perspectives on how these candidates did tonight? I think they all did. Okay. I, I mean, Laurie was very honest and very sincere, and I like that about Lori. But, and that's some people are looking for that. It's a nurturing thing, and. I think, but we need really need more results. I think, and, and I, uh, Danny was good. I thought Danny was pretty good. He was, he said the same thing over and over again. Only because I think it's, he really believed in those particular issues and those ways of saying it. I think Brett was more informed than the rest of the candidates. I'll say that. Right. Yeah. So I, I do think he was more informed. And so I would give the, I would say he probably won the debate. I'll say in full disclosure, in case it was missed between the debate and, and my introduction, um, I'm the president of Clayton Tam Community Association. Brett is the vice president uh -huh. of Clayton Tam Association. So I've, I've known Brett for a while now. Um, I, I, I want to echo what John said. I mean, I, I think, you know, Lori is always very sincere, and I, I like that about her. You, she says what she means, and, and it's always honest and heartfelt. Um, Brett really understands the the entirety of the city and city politics i think he's got a, a better handle on the the whole of the city um i thomas dom he was recalled i i don't you know i i i don't think i need to express my negativity he keeps running he will be recalled frequently in our minds <laughs> correct correct um you know i i think you know Danny has his opinions and he's very passionate about what he believes in. Um, I think a big concern that I've heard from other leaders of neighborhood associations with Danny is his employment situation and not being able to be a full-time alderman mm. is, a, is a huge concern. And, and, and Scott, I can tell you, it's, it's a big job. Yeah, and, I, and I give Scott a hard time a lot. He knows this. Um, we, we, I, I like him, but we, we go back and forth. It, it's a big job and you have to have a lot of time to do it. Are you the reason he didn't run for re-election? No, there's no one. There's no one reason. <laughs> um, I, and I, I actually think that's a very important point to address. And I was hoping the question would be asked more directly. And I think it was sort of more alluded to during the debate. What about your other employment position? But I thought Danny definitely indicated that he was not going to stop teaching. And I think voters deserve to know that the reality is you have to be at City Hall Monday through Friday. You can't teach on Friday and also be at City Hall at 10 a.m. to to be at the Board of Alderman meetings. You can't teach. I was, a, I was in a committee meeting this morning for five hours from nine to two. And you can't teach and take votes on those bills at the same time. And I think voters deserve somebody who is at City Hall, at all the committee meetings, who can take votes. And I, especially when I started the first couple of years, I wasn't just going to the committee meetings that I was a part of. I was going to committee meetings that I wasn't a part of because I wanted to see what they were doing and become better informed about what was going on. There's all kinds of stuff that happens during the day at City Hall. That's where the mechanisms of government are. That's where the people you need to talk to, department heads. If you're not there, um, you don't have to be there. You don't have to be at City Hall 40 hours a week, but you got to be there during the day, Monday through Friday. And if you're not there, you're missing essential components of the job that I think 
are just disqualifying, honestly, for, for somebody running. You can't be a teacher working 40 hours a week and be at City Hall at the same time. Well, and, and I appreciate Danny's suggestion about moving some meetings to the evening time because for, for the sake of citizens who work normal jobs and, or, you know, nine to fives and can't be there at, at 10 a.m. or whatever, but, but it needs to be for the purpose of the citizens and not the purpose of the aldermen. Yeah, and Danny's suggestion is not, it's a suggestion. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, and, and it also doesn't work for all the citizens because right, for people, some of them, 10 a.m. is the best time to be there. Right, and, and I think unstated in all of this is that um, whoever wins this seat is starting out at, as long as there still is a board of aldermen of 28, which is possibly, hopefully soon to be 14, but then whatever happens under Better Together, we don't know about that, but right now, this person's going to come into office, depending on what all the other races are like, at a very low point in seniority, which means that person's going to have to climb the ladder of the committee structures, the Board of Aldermen, climb to have a voice in City Hall, climb to gain the sort of presence Ogilvy has gained over an eight-year career, um, which takes a lot of time. It has to go into that job, especially early on when nobody knows who you are or why they should care. Um, and I thought that was one thing I didn't hear a lot from the candidates was the kind of sort of nuts and bolts strategy of how to be an alderman, how to actually yeah, I don't do think the they job. Know. They don't know yet. Yeah. They're brand new at this. And the dynamic of this thing was that when they all got in a race, if you look at the well, one of them knows from past experience, well, yeah. we hope, right? And he's, probably, and he's the one that probably won't get in because there'll be a way to get him out, keep him yeah. out. But the other ones, it looks like, I mean, let's face it, look at the, because of the problems we've had with the ward organization the last six years or so, you've got uh, Danny and, or um, Lori and, and uh, Brett went down and filed the first day. Lori won the lottery ticket, you know, got mm -hmm. number one. Then you got um, Terry come in because Lori got in because they had problems together. She sued it, her. <laughs> and then you got, Danny got in because Terry got in, because they had problems together. So that that's wow. how, and to me, the only one that's and, really- And Tom oh, sued both Terry and Lori. Right. Oh, Let's wow. make that clear. Yeah. And, and so the, the only one that and also independent of all Terry that, sued right. Lori. Was Have you mentioned that? <laughs> oh, did Terry sue Lori? Terry I, su I can't keep it all yeah. straight. Terry, Terry sued Lori. Terry sued Lori in that's small why, claims court, and Lori, Lori prevailed. That's why Terry got it when Lori got it. So Lori's like the champion of lawsuits. She's been sued by Lori's two been, of the candidates. Lori has been sued by two other candidates in this race, and she's prevailed Wait, in. And she's still nice as could be. <laughs> Terry Powers Terry sued Lori. last year in 2018. Oh. Terry Powers sued Lori, Kevin, in, in small wow. claims court. And Tom Bauer sued both Lori and Terry. In 2005. Wow. So Brett's the only and Brett's one that has, has nothing to do with all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, poor Brett. But he just actually is crazy enough to want to be 24th well, Ward Alderman. Tom wouldn't sue a lawyer, so that's why. <laughs> he might be outmatched. Speaking of being 24th Ward Alderman. Greatest Scott, job in the world, Mike. Scott, your, your <laughs> tenure at the greatest job in the world is coming to an end, and I thought one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you tonight was to kind of get your take on what the next step for this ward is. You've had two terms in office, a long chance to make and shape this ward. Um, your tenure um, of eight years is what the saying that Bauer had before you. No, no, Bauer only had six. Oh, six, that's right, six. So you, you had longer <laughs> than that. We cut him to you short. <laughs> uh, well, tonight was great. It was, you know, most people don't get to attend their own funeral. So it was exciting to... <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, somebody, was it Terry Powers who accidentally, I think it was an incorrect statement saying that when Scott called me to say that he resigned. I did not I resign. He did not resign yeah. from office. Nor did I suggest to run again. Run for, <laughs> um, so what's the question? What, what are my takeaways from eight yeah, years? What's next for the ward? What are some things you didn't accomplish? And what are some things you think the next alderman should try to accomplish? Um, you know, I, so the luxury of being 24th ward alderman is that you don't have some of the life and death struggles that I think some aldermen deal with on a, on a daily basis. Um, and that gives you a little bit of freedom to think more big picture and to think about the direction of the city and the region, and that's the stuff I've been trying to do the last couple of years. Um, if I go back to um, 2014, I started internally advocating for more focus on Metrolink expansion, for instance even though Metrolink would not come anywhere near the 24th Ward. And um, we spent years behind the scenes trying to convince people that, that uh, we needed to reprioritize regionally um, a Metrolink expansion. And that culminated in last year, 20, well, two years ago, 2017, with a vote that um, increased the sales tax in the city. Uh, I knew I had made an impact on that particular topic um, when I walked into the chief of staff's office of the mayor, the last mayor, in 2016, and my Metrolink lab map that I had drawn was uh, large format printed and hanging on the wall. And Where's the Dogtown station? <laughs> and so... Is it on there? There's no dog. Unfortunately, there's <laughs> no, no Dogtown okay. station. No, but they've they've yeah. actually cut bus lines. So, oh, no. So what I, what I would say is I can't tell... Whoever is the next alderman, I can't tell them what they're passionate about mm -hmm. or what they should care about. But they got to find something that is, is bigger than just being a caretaker and, f and, and find a topic where they can push, um, push an agenda that is more citywide or region-wide that benefits, I think, more people than just in the ward. Um, you, gotta, you gotta always be mindful of your ward and you gotta be on top of that stuff, but there's the opportunity, I think, to do more. So that's what I would uh, suggest for the next person. Anything local that's, you know, a lot of, uh, I was looking at the candidate responses to young Dems and um, yesterday and there were a lot of Seem like a lot of candidates talking about reducing crime, which I didn't, would never associate as a problem in the 24th Ward. Uh, well, some saying it's a citywide problem, but others sort of indicating that's a priority for the ward. And to me, that there are no ward by ward solutions to right. crime. I mean, crime is an endemic issue within the city and the region. Solutions to crime are, I think, a, a, is, is greater investment in education within the region. Um, in, uh, intentional strategies to reduce concentrated poverty. Mm -hmm. I think intentional strategies to uh, reduce incarceration for low-level crimes and make sure families stay intact. Um, and you don't do those things on a ward-by-ward -ward basis. Right. And I, I think the quote, on, I don't think there is a silver bullet solution to crime, but I think if you want to see, you know, the St. Louis region has an elevated crime rate for five decades. Nobody has figured this out. Mm -hmm. If you want to see real change in that arena, it's got to be a coordinated effort across the region. What about uh, housing development? I know in the past there were, there were concerns about um, teardowns, density, kind of patterns of development that have come and gone from, from Dogtown and in the 24th Ward around. It, uh, is there anything right now that's urgent beyond you know these larger citywide issues of 
incentives, which I think nobody has worked out the silver bullet on that one. Well, I think, so I, I think within, you know, the, this part of the city has a, a functional real estate market. Right. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I think what you have to do is try to manage projects responsibly. And I think that you got to, no matter what gets built, there is always, and no matter where you go within the region, people are always going to worry about a few things, right? Is change happening too fast? Is there enough parking? Does this look right aesthetically? Like these are, these are the topics that come, come up no matter what gets built, no matter where it is. And you got to keep the big picture in mind that um, in healthy neighborhoods in St. Louis, uh, we ought to support increased population. One of the things I'm proud of, and I just ran the numbers on this the other day, is that we had 193 new housing units built or under construction in the last eight years and 52 demolitions. So that's a net increase of 140. And, you know, it's my belief that this is a good place to live. I want to make that opportunity available to more people to live here. And the way you do that is through increasing the number of housing, housing units available. So I generally, with a very, very few number of exceptions, try to work through the process to support housing development, even if it was something that I thought wasn't perfect, because in the big picture, we need people. And it's better to have people here than to say no. And it's, it's rough to do that, and Dogtown especially, because historically, we've never had a lot of houses here. No. Never wanted a lot of houses here. Right. People didn't like change, period. You know. And back after the Second World War, I did, the veterans came back, there was no housing. So they started building up on Craft Avenue. And it was the largest housing project in St. Louis history at that particular time to build the homes for the service people. And many of them moved out, and then finally later on they moved back in. They always come back, no matter what. But it says a so lot about the quality of life here. So you see smaller houses or, and things like that, and people are, you know, but I, I get a kick out of it when people say houses all look like the neighborhood. Every house looks different in Dogtown. Oh, I know. And that's one beautiful thing. Yes, Every, everybody is different in Dogtown, mm -hmm. too. Everybody is, in their own little way, they're different. And they got different kind of opinions. Right. That's what Which makes is maybe it, why it yield, this ward yields five candidates with an open seat, right? <laughs> and that's why you have different ward organizations. Everybody got a different opinion. And you, you want to congregate with people that have your opinion. Right. So you start your own group. Sounds a lot like <laughs> a healthy democracy to me. No, it's, it's just the opposite. Uh oh. No, we were raised for 90 years. We had Irish Catholic priests, and they were sent over from Ireland to teach the immigrants. Now, uh, the Irish immigrants, but every other nationality, we were never predominantly Irish. Every other nationality became Irish because they learned the Irish way by the priest. And so we, we developed a system called Catholic communism. And that's a system that's been in this neighborhood forever, and it just means a socialism where people take care of each other mm -hmm. and care about each other. It simply means that, but the name, the, the priest named it Christian ah, communism. there you go. And he just, just doesn't like rich people. We've never had rich people live in Dogtown. That's the truth. We don't have any rich people mm -hmm. here. I'd like to be the first, but I don't <laughs> well, think that'll Generally, happen, they move out of Dogtown. Right. <laughs> so, and Dogtown never was a perfect place right. to live, believe me. It's better now than it's ever been, by far. Mm -hmm. Because it, when I was a kid, it was really, there was pollution everywhere. We had uh, smog plants and, and steel plants and, 
and brick factories and stuff, just pouring out stuff. You couldn't hardly breathe here. Right. And nobody wanted to live here. Mm-hmm. So, right. and, and most of the black population moved out when the churches left in the 30s. Okay. They moved up to North St. Louis where mm-hmm. they could get more membership. Mm-hmm. So the blacks all left and they didn't want to come back. Mm-hmm. It, was, it wasn't a great place to live. No. But people living here knew what it was and mm-hmm. loved it and stayed. Yeah. So that's what. So it's been better stayed, since skull and stacks have stopped. It didn't want change <laughs> to entice people to come yeah. in. But now we got young people in here, and their values are completely different than ours. Mm-hmm. Everything's everything was so just black and white back when I was a kid. Now it's everything. It's everything's inclusive, mm-hmm. and I think it's wonderful. Finally, we get this inclusive, and we get maybe we get some diversity finally. Mm-hmm. But we need that to grow. We still got to grow. We never grew out of our infancy. We still got to grow. Interesting. Huh. So there may be no rich people here now, but um, freed from his city job with a low salary, Alderman Ogilvy, <laughs> next step could uh, make him the first. What is next for Scott Ogilvy? I'm, I'm You're angling to... this part-time job that's actually a more than full-time slave wage kind of a job. Trying to not get any less poor. He's, <laughs> he's going to stop responding to all my 2 a.m. text messages. No, you might not. Uh, you might take a long vacation, but... Uh, no, I need a paycheck, will Michael. We, will, we be your, <laughs> will we be seeing your name on the ballot again anytime soon? Oh, I, I mean, I... I I don't know about anytime soon, but I, I mean, I love being elected official. It's the best job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel uh, it was a great privilege to do it, and I mean that sincerely. Um, I don't know what's happening next. I, I, I have a lot of affection for local government, and I think I've learned a few things in the last eight years. I hope to get to contribute um, in, in some related way, so we'll see. Are you optimistic about the future of St. Louis? Earlier we were commenting on that, that question of vision for the, the future. I uh, was looking at the here and now, and, and nobody talked about racial equity or, yeah, or, or any kind of racial harmony, but you've yeah, often one, looked at the crystal ball. Some people have thought of Ogilvy as someone who looks very far ahead, um, maybe too far ahead sometimes for his colleagues who aren't looking even in that direction yet. So uh, what what... Are you an optimist? I mean, what, how do, how do, what, what's my crystal ball in the future? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing almost 20 years. I mean, I now. think you can, you can only be an optimist if you believe that I think we'll do two things, which is a substantial reform to the structure of government mm-hmm. in this region, which I think. Okay. Um, and privatize the airport. Which, no. oh, okay. <laughs> which I think contributes to Something a lot else? of the social and cultural problems that this region suffers from. And I think the second thing, and I, I think this has started, but I, I think this is something that is a process that will take a long time, is we, we need to change the local culture in a way that I think makes us all love each other a little more. And I, I know that sounds sentimental, um, and it, it, it's not gonna be perfect, uh, but we, we can't live indefinitely in a society where you have, um, where white people and black people both feel aggrieved about the other people. I mean, you can't, you can't build a successful region based on that model. And I think we need to be intentional about, um, you know, and this isn't something I, you know, representing an area that's predominantly white, I don't think I was asked to speak about this very often, but I think, and this is much more than just the city, I think the region needs to be intentional about creating an environment that is better for its black residents. And I think that process has begun, um, you know, but a lot remains to be done. It's gonna take 
your generation. Mine's too late for that. It really is. I'd like to say the, my generation could do that, but they're just not in the mind to do it. And, and you know, it's going to take the young people to do that because they they've been taught a little different than we have been. So they, the cultural change and political change are on yeah. two different time scales. Our, our people were more outgoing, i got to say that. My generation more outgoing. We did a lot more things hands-on mm. sort of thing. And the young people think a lot more. <laughs> we just reacted most of the time. And, and, and uh, uh, like I say, we were so into our own little web here that we really didn't care about anything else. So these people get around more. They get out more. They see more. And, and we, we don't leave Dogtown. And so it needs their generation to make that change. And that's why we need them in office, not us. No. I think John would do a great job in office. Yeah, we'd never do <laughs> <laughs> hey, Let's say bring City Hall in Dogtown. <laughs> wow. Well, we heard it might come to Clayton, but not Clayton Avenue. So we'll have to, we'll have to see. Any, any parting thoughts or comments to wrap this up? It was a good night. We've covered a lot. I, I think it was good. I think it was good to hear from all the candidates. Um, someone who was present who is not inside the ward, who does not know these people, commented to me that um, there's clearly only two candidates actually running, being um, Brett and Lori. Mm. And I thought that was interesting coming from someone outside. And I tend to agree with that. I, interesting I think because I thought there was a very low level of... I, the interpersonal sort of animosity that came out, but that must have been, I, there is an aura, I guess, apparent. Clearly something was there, um, and, and I do agree. I think I think uh, Brett and Lori are the two candidates that understand the ward the best, that are doing this for personal reasons and reasons of serving the public and not reasons of ego or reasons of just making sure the other guy doesn't win. Um, and and I, I respect them both a lot, and I think they both had a lot to say. I, I respect all of them, um, but I think that Tom and Lori really have a lot to say of importance, and Brett, I think they Lori. understand. Brett and Lori. Brett and Lori, sorry. <laughs> about Brett and Lori, um, they understand the people in the ward and, and what their concerns are hmm. more than anybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Scott's not, not at this time. Thank you not, for not joining us. The Royale Political Wire. We're going to be covering other races, especially the president of the Board of All. We have close ups with each of the three major candidates. And hopefully, we'll have the board races, maybe a few more. This is all said. Are you going to cover the 18? How can you not cover the 18? It's so hot over there. There's so there's so much going on. You got you got to delve deep into it. We can only do so much. Some of us can't do a over full time job with part time hours like Scott Ogilvie. They've got everything in the 18th. They got everything. Everything. You got to cover that one. All right. Good night and good luck.